0: Ooh, I have to turn the gain down a little. We're uh, coming in hot,
1: hot, hot, hot. That's the song we're doing this week.
0: Toyota's hot, hot, Buster hot. Buster Point <laughs> Dexter. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do they still do the Toyotas hot, hot,
1: hot commercials, or was that I just don't even know the where that was? Early two thousands. Oh, <laughs> I don't remember that. Was that I mean, because t- car commercials are so often local, right? I mean, of course, there are national. Car commercial. Was that a,
0: was that a, I almost said SoCal, Central Central Florida. Central Florida, it could have been. Like Family Auto Mart. Like
1: Family Auto Mart. Family
0: Auto Mart. Jessica, see here. On
1: our last trip to Florida, Jessica was (laughs) like, she had never shown me these Family Auto Mart commercials. And I was like shocked because they're like so up our alley. Yeah. They are like, (laughs) there's not, because we love regional filmmaking. And basically, these like commercials are like regional films, but they're like short films. <laughs> Why would there be an, <laughs> a YouTube ad for the Family Auto Mart collection?
2: <laughs> this is a new family pack. Led by the unbelievable, Dave Butner!
1: So this is the one where the Family
0: Auto Mart is introducing all their. Uh... You
3: gotta find.
0: You gotta find the Family Man rap and.
3: Car, come down and
0: see me and Cletus and Poot. Oh my god, so they used to just like buy out blocks, like you'd watch it after the (laughs) 700 Club or something on like some random channel. So, this
1: has been around (laughs) since the 90s, and basically, they look like Tim and Eric sketches, but they're the like they're like one of the things not specifically, but they're the type of thing that Tim and Eric like was based off of. It's like non ironic, it's like an actual subject matter that tim and eric would be parodying but for real and i'm like yeah. how did you how did we how were we married for 11 years and you never told me I don't about know. this so this is the song we're doing this week it is the family <laughs> auto mart rap sit
3: back relax and enjoy the ride we're about to get down so you better step inside we have a special guest
1: I don't see what is more reliant Kay, than this. <laughs> more '90s. I'm more, doing
0: the dance. Like for any any uh, any Florida folks out there, I'm doing the dance.
1: <laughs> I don't know how else to cut to the song now, so. <laughs> <laughs> failure to excommunicate
0: <laughs> <laughs> Jesus loved the outcasts He loves the ones the world just loves to hate And as long
2: as there's a heaven There'll be a failure to excommunicate
0: He's the family man. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Where Sandy did Hawkins' pod. That song. Here we go. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, and this is well, this one's from 2004, so this is like way too late. And this, like, this is like no, this was you know. It, no, I'm saying I it's from 2004. That's, that maybe that's event.
0: why I did not like introduce you to it because we met just like a year later. So I just assumed the commercials were still out there and you were still probably seeing them because you loved appliance direct. And so, you know, you paid retail and waited for it. And yeah, so I just assumed that you would have seen this, I guess. But yeah, they definitely started in like the late 90s. And now it's so sad because I went online to see if you could still get Family Automart merch. Nope. They have a very old school basic website with like one location. and It's very sad. Yeah. We'll post, Such a bummer.
1: Instead of posting, well, we're talking about to excommunicate this week. Um, spoiler warning for what we're gonna go over, this is a song with a big contrast to last week where it was nothing but amazing covers, even the, um, you know, the lesser of the covers still had a quality that was fun. This is a song that no one can, like, cover correctly, like, all the covers are really bad, so instead of, I mean- I hate saying that they're really bad, but the covers aren't good. So instead of posting failure to excommunicate covers in the coming week, I'll just post family auto mark footage. Nice. I love it. Do it. So, uh, yeah, we have, let's, let's try to get through some more voicemails because we have so many. Right on. And let's see what we have here first. Do the family man.
0: (laughs) Hey guys, good
4: morning. Um, it's Lindy here in the South Florida region. Yeah, well, shout
2: out
1: Florida. Florida. <laughs> <laughs> so does Lindy remember Family Automart? Yeah, because I'm trying to think
0: how far south they went. They were definitely a Central Florida institution, but uh, yeah, it's so funny because it came up because we were visiting my parents in South Florida and my mom like brought it up or something i was like oh my gosh i forgot all about family <laughs> auto mart and how have i never introduced Annie to this i think i just didn't bring it up over the years because i assumed i had already introduced you to it
2: right
4: i'm currently listening to air for free well the air for free episode i just wanted to call in because you guys are talking about a coffee shop called romancing the bean and i am somewhat of a coffee I wouldn't say snob. I would say something like a connoisseur. Um, I have devoted my Instagram to actually finding local coffee shops that are super yummy and eclectic and cool. So that sounds like a pretty sweet place to go. I wish I was closer, um, but being as I'm on the east coast, that's probably not gonna happen in this near future. Um, but you're also talking about coffee ice cubes, and I, I, I really don't know where else this place is except for, like, Florida and, like, New Jersey New York, but there's a place called Brooklyn Water Bagel down here, and their whole thing is, their, like, slogan is, it's all about the water, because I guess there's just, like, something special
0: about the water in New York.
1: Have you heard of Brooklyn Water Bagel? I have not,
0: but we're going to have to check that out next time we go visit <laughs> my parents. My ears perked up because we also <laughs> love finding new and interesting coffee. Uh,
4: they have a really good bagel and they also do coffee ice cubes and they're freaking fantastic and you're absolutely right, Jessica. They make the coffee so much better so that it's not watered down. You just get more of a caffeine kick, which is just the best part. So, yeah, we have something like that down here. I just wondered if you have ever heard of it. Also, I left a lot of voicemails the last couple weeks, and I, like, didn't realize you weren't going to play them all. So I feel feel like a lot of them could probably be just, like, tossed. (laughs) (laughs) Because uh, I was one of the ones you listed as people that call a lot and leave voicemails. So, anyway, this will be something for current.
1: Okay, cool. Bye. Well, thank you for calling, Lindy. No, I, I I don't want to give the wrong impression. We love we love voicemails. <laughs> we love voicemails. Please don't stop calling. As I said last week, if I've never played, and I'm talking to everyone who's ever left a voicemail, if I've never played your voicemail, it hasn't been lost. We just, like, don't find the time to play them all. So we'll play them when we play them. Plus, I have this, like... OCD thing that makes me feel like I want to play all of them someday. So yeah. we will get to them. And I am not, I, I do want people to call up as much as they like. I'm glad that you started with the, the most current, though. So here's an older one from Jarrett. Let's see what he had to say.
3: Hey, Jess. This is Jarrett. Uh, I was listening to the Vinyl Countdown podcast, and y'all unlocked a memory for me. So I was at that Carborough show, North Carolina, where Teason does the Freebird snippet, or whatever you want to call it, and then they did the Vinyl Countdown acoustic.
1: Okay, I remember, because this voicemail is from April, so if you might recall when we did Final Countdown, people with... Final Countdown. Vinyl Countdown, right, sorry. When uh, they said, people were in the audience yelling, play Freebird, play Freebird, and, and Tyson has this, like, song about playing Freebird that he'll play if you request Freebird. So mm-hmm. now... Uh, I guess Jarrett was there live to see it one time.
3: That's awesome. Because I remember in that moment, one, just to, to show how young and non-musical I was, I didn't know what Freebird sounded like. So when uh, Matt was like, Freebird, or whatever, whatever he did, uh, I was like, oh, that's cool. He did the chorus to Freebird. And of course now, <laughs> that I'm a man and I know things. Like, I know that was not exactly how Freebird goes. Uh, but also, I remember when they started doing the vinyl countdown, I turned to my cousin, because he had just gotten into Reliant K. I was like, this is, this is cool. This is the acoustic version. Like, this is normally electric. Uh, I'm trying to sound like, like I'm in the know. Um, but yeah, like, I totally forgot they did, the, well, the Freebird thing in the vinyl countdown, because Setlist FM doesn't have that, at least that I saw, doesn't have that show on, um, on their website. And so I was always wondering what exactly they played. I know they did a few from Collapse Belong and a few here and there, but I totally forgot they did the Vinyl Countdown until I listened to the podcast and that clip said it was there. So thank y'all.
1: Cool. Well, I'm glad. I always love when that happens. Like we come across footage of concerts we've been to so seldom that I love hearing if people have actually been to any of the shows from the clips that we play right. plus there are so many like the big songs i end up finding like you know sometimes 30 or 40 videos from different concerts throughout the decades of a song and then like who knows which one i'll end up playing will end up playing and then for that to happen well a song like final countdown the odds are even less because there's like only two live uh, videos of that song
0: so your Freebird free story is hilarious. I don't know if Danny yeah. will leave in our laughter or not, because usually he edits
1: in the... <laughs> right, the, the voice the after. after so, but that's hilarious yeah. to think that, like, you don't know what... You know what? I didn't really... I'd heard the reference to play Freebird, but mm-hmm. I actually never went and listened to the song Freebird until Guitar Hero. Right. And I'm older, <laughs> so you think I'd have more chance, and I never watched um, the, the... Maybe if I'd seen that Rob Zombie movie... 3 House free, of a Thousand House Corpses of, the or the sequel uh Devil's Rejects Devil's Rejects there we go Maybe if I'd seen that I would have known Freebird but I and I probably had heard it on the radio as a kid but had no reference to what it is you know what I mean but I never said oh this is Freebird until it was on Guitar Hero so let's play one more. I feel like if we do three a day. Let's do another from Lindy because I feel bad that I that it seems like I was saying we don't want to play your voicemails because that was not the case. So here's another from Lindy. This one is from June.
4: Hey, guys. It's Lindy. I feel like I leave a thousand voicemails all the time. But normally when I'm listening to the pod, I am driving home from work. So I have it on my mind, I'm like, oh, I should call. Um, I'm currently on episode 44 in the Parfait style of listening, (laughs) and guys are talking about avatars, and that Danny doesn't really pay attention to people's avatars, and you saw one that looked like Wheat Tooth the clown from some thing. I don't know if it was a game or what. I can't remember. Um, But I just thought (laughs) I relate that to License plate for Florida because, in my opinion, from far away, the Florida license plate that has the oranges in the middle with you know the state of Florida well, for the longest time, I did not know that those were oranges because, from far away, when you're driving and not really paying attention to a license plate, it strangely resembles (laughs) a gorilla with a football helmet <laughs> with a football helmet <laughs> so um, yeah uh, I just probably six years ago realized it was not a gorilla with a football helmet it is in fact orange with the state of Florida so yeah anyway <laughs> I'm
1: odd
0: okay bye <laughs>
1: That's amazing. I have to... <laughs> hold on a second. Florida.
0: I... Yeah, I can place. picture it in my head, and I... Yeah, I haven't seen that, but yeah, for sure.
1: Okay, hold on. I've got it up on my thing, and okay. I'm holding the phone far away from me. I'm like a... It kind of looks like a disfigured Pac-Man that's, like, right, <laughs> chomping on some flowers. It's like
0: two oranges with the, the flowers... Which is the state flower? Which I don't know what the state flower is. I don't remember now. Or is that like a? Is that an orange
1: blossom? Oh, I don't that's know. Like or-
0: Good call.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Hence, Orange Blossom Trail. Lots of Florida talk this week.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to our Florida podcast.
1: <laughs> so you could say, in the way that I don't uh, play, we don't haven't played enough of Lindy's voicemails when they have such great content in them. That's that's a failure to communicate her voicemails to our listeners i think it used to just be
0: one orange in the middle with a little green sticking out of it i don't
1: know
0: like that's a redesign (laughs) i don't don't remember maybe
1: there was i don't know i'm gonna hold on florida license plates gorilla football helmet i'm gonna see if anyone is like on reddit or something No, Like nothing comes up specifically like that. But I can't see, I can't see the, 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 I see, I see what she's saying, but I can't exactly see the, I get it. I totally get it. You know, what used to drive me crazy was the D for Disney. This is also Florida related. Yeah. The D for Disney always looked like a backwards G when (laughs) I was a kid. Like I did not get that flourish. I can see that. Right. Like Mm -hmm. the round part, like I, you, I focused in on that little flourish at the bottom left and it made it look like a musical note mm-hmm. or a backwards g and i know i'm not the only person forever i would never heard anyone else ever say this but then there's like some meme video that i saw one time on on youtube and i'm like oh like where someone was like Disney, you know Disney, and like I, I was like oh finally one person ever has yeah said that they see the same thing and again you could say disney is Backwards G logo is a failure to communicate the D correctly, but sure. that's not the name of the song we're doing this week. We're talking about failure to communicate.
0: To communicate or to excommunicate? Oh my gosh.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we're talking about failure to excommunicate.
0: We're failing to communicate our feelings on this song right now. Yeah.
1: So we'll get into the song. And Who is And I singing? got a ton to say. Su- Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I got a ton to say about this song from a lyrical do. point of view and everything, but it's Dave singing. Is it Dave? It's Dave? I was singing.
0: not sure. So that's my first note. My first note was who is singing, and I was too lazy to go pull the <laughs> CD
1: or the vinyl and look it up. I'm not sure if it would might specifically yeah, say. Yeah, because it could go not... Grab it, but it's Dave singing. Okay, because it doesn't say it, it sounds, like online. Because whenever Hoops is singing, I can tell it's not Teason. Whenever Dave is singing. I can barely not tell that it's not, isn't t You know what I mean? Dave and t at least for sure when they were, when Dave was in Reliant K, they sound so similar to me. It was who I am hits who I've been. Like, I could never tell... The parts that Dave was singing until we did the episode and we watched the live videos.
0: Yes, and that's why because it doesn't sound like Teason. I'm like, well, it doesn't sound like Teason. It doesn't sound like Hoops. So like, therefore, it doesn't sound like Dave either to me. Right. So that's why I was like, who is singing? And I I could not figure it out. And I'm also showing my hand a little bit as a Reliant K fan today. I had no idea what album this song was from, which really should have told me that it was off Anatomy since that that would be like next to Collapsible long the album that I listen to the least. Right. Um and it's because I would get here's why I got confused because Life After Death and Taxes or Failure Mm 2 is off mm mm-hmm. So in my mind, I get confused and I'm like, wait, is Failure to Excommunicate an mm mm-hmm song? And I'm like, no, like not listening to it, like the style or the lyrics or how it comes across at all. Right. I just like in my brain, I'm like looking at titles and I'm like, Failure to Excommunicate, sure, maybe that's on mm mm-hmm.
1: I think Failure 2, Failure Part 2, they should have called, I mean, we'll get to it when we do Life After Death and Taxes parentheses failure part two i added the word part there we'll get to it then but what they really should have called it was failure the number two excommunicate colon life after death death and taxes like coming to america the sequel is called coming the number two america in, the, in or their, f- too fast too furious
0: in the next <laughs> to album failure to
1: excommunicate they have to have failure two two. there you go so I think that Failure Part 2, I'm just going to keep saying part so we know when I'm talking about life sure. after death and taxes. I think Failure Part 2 is a bigger song overall. I mean for one thing it's on mhm it obviously has been played a ton because if anything else mm-hmm, Ten Tour, but also I just think it's it it's people know that song better. Yeah. Uh this is, doesn't seem to be a song that got played a ton. There's, like, maybe two live videos, and as I was saying, there's a bunch of, like, people, a bunch of live, like, teen bands at youth groups and churches trying to cover the song and not doing a great job. But it doesn't seem like a song that got played a ton. It didn't make an impact in their overall, like, repertoire, their overall, like, set lists, like Life After Death and Taxes did. Right.
0: So I did not really dive into the lyrics because I know that you have a lot to say about this one. So I kind of wanted to learn about the song or it's in your interpretation, like through you.
1: Okay. Well, I got a little bit more to say about the music because that'll be a big discussion. So we'll talk about the music a little bit more. I, just, I did want to say that a couple weeks back we had um, a tweet. It was a, it was a tweet at us and Reliable J podcast from epic underscore mr underscore panda and it said do either of you have an episode explaining failure to excommunicate that song has had me confused for a very long time and then i asked like what part confused you and they just meant like the whole song in Mm -hmm. general um so hopefully so here we are we're giving that episode and um i saved and then there was like a thing I guess we'll, no. I'll save that for lyric talk. I saved all these tweets because we we've had a bunch of tweets over the years about, say, this song, about this people song. People waiting for this episode. Yeah. And it wasn't until that tweet from Epic Mr. Panda that I was pretty much ready to talk about this song. And then we had I had like issues and the all this continued depression issues that I've been having that I didn't really want to unload with this song when th- some things were still a little too tender to discuss because i have stories from my own life that relate to this song as well in addition to larger discussions about theology and racism and stuff overall that the song brings to mind oh and i also pulled this one tweet where one time back in december last year we were talking about forward motion and you said that the opening riff of forward motion reminded you of some other Relying K song and you couldn't quite place it and you <laughs> Daniel said Daniel you can see my socks said he thinks you were thinking of failure to excommunicate okay right so here's forward motion and then here's failure to excommunicate
0: I'm it's- not that musically inclined to to be like, that sounds like that. I don't think so. I mean. I'm sure from a music standpoint, because Daniel would know far better than I, that it's right. the same thing, but like faster or whatever. Right. But the, I, I, so I don't know what it was, but it probably wasn't this
1: one. Well, the opening lick of Failure Excommunicate, which I did not notice until this second, was, is bass. And then forward motion is guitar, so... Da, 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 da. So it's like six, it's around like six notes, and then or half notes. I don't know if it's notes or half notes, whatever. But then failure. Ex- One, two, three, four, five, five. Then it's, yeah, it's around the same kind of number of notes. So I can see how yeah, it's it would. From Sounds an intelligent
0: similar. music standpoint, <laughs> for,
1: to the discerning ear, they're both like da 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 da. da. They both have that same kind of cadence. Yeah. So I see how they can be kind of the same, um, or how they could sound kind of the same. So this is another in like the what I thought was not a big. Subgenre of Reliant K songs, but it's maybe a little bigger than I ever realized, is the sort of, like, pseudo-post-hardcore Reliant K,
3: which is never
1: really... Like, you could never take a song like this or Softer to Me, and there's a third one that I mentioned recently that we already did the episode on, but these, like, songs that you could never play them for someone who's into, like, post-hardcore or, like, expressive, alternative artsy music or whatever and say here's a post-hardcore song by Relying K they laugh at you right but this song along with Softer To Me and whatever that third one is I can't think of right now are these versions of here's Matt Teese and K writing something in the way of a post-hardcore kind of song something that's like punk and heavy and fast but also has a lot of different expression because that's post-hardcore is a very I always had the hardest time understanding the concept of post-hardcore, and then I actually saw this documentary called It's Gonna Blow, which is about the punk scene in, or the the alternative rock and punk scene in San Diego, and it is kind of accidentally the perfect documentary to wrap your head around the concept of post-hardcore, because I always got the concept of post-hardcore as like, whatever, it's like, you know, my references for it when I was in college and high school were like at the drive-in or like Fugazi obviously is kind of most famous one but basically they were like punk bands that had more like like not just doing straight ahead punk stuff but doing more expression do being able to do more different things with the guitar writing more different kinds of songs as long as they're heavy and sort of like dark like i never really got it also post hardcore for me was always mixed up with the concept of emo because whenever i started researching emo in high school like early emo before emo became like my chemical romance or right. whatever any emo website store with an emo section online would always kind of lump emo together with post hardcore so i was like oh is post hardcore just another name for emo And it sort of is, like there's a Venn diagram where post hardcore and emo kind of come together because emo has more expression, more ability, more things you can do with guitar than just doing a straight ahead like couple of chords punk song, right? So this It's Gonna Blow documentary about the San Diego punk scene, it starts with like the punk bands like the actual punk bands of San Diego in the 80s and you see how they got bored slowly just doing punk songs and they add a little bit more extra stuff in the guitar here and they add a little bit more extra stuff in the guitar there and more like angular things and more like strange stuff and that's what creates post hardcore so that really helped me wrap my mind around that right. But then you have people like myself, <laughs> who didn't live through that. So you're kind of, and I'm talking about like 90s kids, like late 90s kids like me. I'm like, what's post hardcore? Can someone explain this? And no one could ever really explain it until I saw the documentary. So here you have what I feel like is Matt Tees and Reliant K kind of doing like a post hardcore, like it's kind of punk, but it has more Attempts at angular and more expression with guitar than a typical punk song, right? Yes, sure. Well said. Exa-
0: <laughs> that is exactly how I was going to put it. So well, good.
1: <laughs> so this is a this is a situation where the gold. I'm, I'm getting them ready to play. Uh, this is a situation where the gold and the non gold version are clearly different. But it's kind of, like, 50-50 in terms of what's, like, a good decision and what's a bad decision. Like, I can't really say, you know, one decision was better than the other. It's all kind of, like, all the changes they made are just, like, it's not the typical... It's not the typical gold mix changes. Jessica looks really bored. Are you really bored?
0: No, no, I'm, no, Danny, I'm leaning on my, on my hands, like leaning forward as, as the, the professor discusses something really interesting is what I'm doing.
1: Okay. So this is a situation where so many other, you know, and to catch anyone up who might not realize this, if you haven't heard an, uh, uh, an anatomy or uh, two lefts, episode in a while or before when these cds came out in 2002 and 2003 they were mixed one way and then after mm-hmm they remixed both these albums to basically gloss them over and a lot of the criticism is that it kind of removes a lot of the hue as much of the human elements of anatomy and two Lefts as possible like hearing string hearing fingers on strings or like feeling like you feel it's a real instrument in someone's hand or kind of glossed over. Everything's kind of, the edges are smoothed off Mm -hmm. of those mixes. And if you only have ever listened to Reliant K on streaming, even though it doesn't say it's the gold mix on Spotify and Apple Music and anything like that, those are the gold mixes. So if you want to hear the original 2003 and 2002 mixes, you have to go on YouTube and kind of like figure it out if because again people upload them to youtube and don't necessarily mark it is this the gold or the non-gold version that they uploaded but the thing is the cds in the world i mean what has it got to be like 90 percent of the cds in the world are the non-gold mix because they didn't print that many cds comparatively to when the albums were first released certainly not for anatomy i think i think the anatomy gold copy mix cds out there have to be even less like Mm -hmm. if you buy a random ebay copy of two lefts i'm just guessing these numbers right now but i'm like maybe there's a 25 or maybe a 20 percent chance you'll get a gold mix cd but if you buy a used copy of anatomy on ebay that the seller doesn't know if it's gold or not i feel like you got like a like a one percent chance Mm -hmm. of getting a gold copy of anatomy so really just go buy yourself a cd and the chances are you're gonna get the non-gold mix if you want to make yeah. sure that's what you're listening to. So, um, all of the changes, however, in "Failure to Excommunicate" for the gold remix are sort of like just like flavoring, like like cutesy ideas. So, in the original, in the original mix, there's a lot of like record static, or what would you call it? Record um, crackle. Mm-hmm. They add a lot of record crackle in the background, especially during the sort of, like, breakdown-y parts. Oh, yeah. Right right here, they... Oh, yeah, and t does pop in occasionally, right? Like, I think it's Dave singing a lot of it, but then t pops in yeah. to sing, like, the chorus and stuff. So during this slowed-down, soft part of the chorus, they add all this record scratch. Especially during this part. Right? Right? but then they remove that from the gold mix. Huh? Or at least they seriously or at least they seriously reduce it. You can hear it a little, but it's yeah, very Yeah, but they seriously yeah, reduce it. it's very reduced. So during this sort of like this, I don't know if this counts as a breakdown, but after the slow quiet chorus this little guitar part that leads you back into the kicking back into the song it's basically the, the this part of the two mixes is night and day because in the gold mix they remove the records that the record uh the record crackle and they put that guitar just right up we're mm-hmm. just there's the guitar no fussing around no fuss no muss there's the guitar going But when you listen to the original 2002
2: mix...
1: They get more dramatic with it here. Yeah. There's actually... I feel like this would actually go. I, I hope. I. I don't think I have it backwards. But I feel like this is something they would have put in the golden... If I feel like it would be ter- reversed. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Like they'd get more dramatic in two thousand. What an interesting remix. production
0: choice, yeah. though. To have all that starts, record crackle. All that record
1: crackle and the du- 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 du is way down and it yeah. comes and they like bring it up dramatically just in time for the kick back in. Huh. So there's like more mixing drama or more like narrative decisions with the mixing yeah. in the original mix which they then they remove from the 2004 remix. So, And I just find that funny because it's like I said, it's it's a matter of opinion for this one. Like so many other gold remixes when you hear them, you're like, this one's not as fun. It makes it a little less punk. It makes right. it a little less rock. But this one is like 50-50. It's like, what do you prefer? Do you prefer yeah. the more more dramatic like funny sort of narrative decisions april's got an opinion yeah she does and then she's like listen
0: guys it's it's the gold for me on this one (laughs) i was gonna say i really want to hear the difference between the The violin at the end yes because i love that like there's like It feels like an old time, like there's an old timey radio filter over it on the gold edition. Right. So I was like, I really want to hear how that comes across in the non-gold.
1: There's so much like bells and whistles in the the mix, right? Like not only do they add the record crackle, but then they make the violins sound like they're coming out of a Vitrola or whatever coming out of an old no, radio. I haven't
0: listened to the non-gold version, so I'm saying I play me the end so that I can hear so the difference. Here's
1: the here's the gold version which everyone hears on streaming all the time of the the last 40 seconds. Gate. So there's that from from the gold mix that most people have heard nowadays and here's the original cd mix
0: so you've got that sort of like that that old timey radio sort of woo, like tuning the radio type thing that they've put right. in at the end there versus oh, on the yeah. on the gold oh, version that does not have well, that. I, I, I might think. have
1: skipped out too early. Okay, hold on. Okay, here's the, uh, let's go back. This is just more original mix. crackle. Which
0: now I really we gotta go listen to this on vinyl. It's like is there just extra crackle on the
1: vinyl?
2: Oh yeah, <laughs> it's
0: just crackle <laughs> on crackle.
1: <laughs> Good question. Okay, so that sort of whistly sound. This is gold again. Okay,
2: okay so they there. still
1: have that, but I have to say, like, with all these, I can I can only really think to call them like narrative decisions because they're like dramatic and it, it's it's the kind of. All this mixing things up and down and adding these effects make it sound more like a story. More like, that's why I think narrative, Mm -hmm. right? So these narrative mixing decisions in the original mix, they are a bit over the top. So I think in this case, the gold (laughs) remix is the slightly better one.
0: Yeah, because they like definitely toned that down. Yeah. And yeah, because I do, I really like that, the ending, the outro, right. like I really, that's my favorite part of the song. Um, So yeah, I, yeah, with the extra crackle on top through going throughout. Yeah. Sort
1: of off putting a little bit. In the non-gold one, right? In the, no, in the...
0: Go- yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I'm you're, you're confusing me now. It is too <laughs> off-putting
1: because to have it sound like it's coming through an old radio and to have the vinyl crackle... Right. Unless the decision in 2002 was, here's the vinyl crackle and we make it sound, you know... Trebly like an old record would be, right? Right, but it's it's kind of it's too confusing, especially when you have all that crackle in the middle of the song, where you don't put the treble up high and you don't put on the radio vinyl effect.
0: Right, I like the woo the uh, the like radio tuning noise. It reminds right. me of the opening of Bad Reputation by Joan Jett.
1: <laughs> nice. There's gotta be like a whole bunch of songs that start with a little record oh, radio sure. noise. I wonder if there's like a playlist on Spotify or something. So yeah, this is probably one of the situations where the the gold mix that's on all the streaming sites is probably superior. Mm-hmm. You know? And I mean, as usual, like the 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 dynamic, the, the levels between the instruments and the vocals are sort of glossed over. So you do lose some of that nuance when, when there's no effects going on in the original mix, you do lose some of that nuance of the instruments, right? Because they've, they basically just like sanded it off. So all the levels are mixed like right in your face for the gold mix that everyone knows. Uh, oh yeah, and this is on the employee of the month EP. And I wanna check something. We're, like, almost done with the Employee of the Month EP. We did Trademark, right? Okay, we did Trademark, we did Penny Loafer, we did For the Band. All we have left on the Employee of the Month EP is what's all been done before. Oh, wow. Yeah, so we're, we're almost done with this. I think we've already finished the 2000 ADD EP. <laughs> 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 I think that's the only uh, EP that we've technically finished. Have we finished Apathetic? We didn't do The Truth yet, no. And we did Be My Escape, we did Witch to bury. Did we do Overthinking? I don't remember. We did In Like a Lion, and we haven't done The Thief. So we're not even close with Apathetic. But we got one song left on the Employee of the Month. So that's another reason why I love this song, is because I, I used to play Employee of the Month front to back continually. It was in my car. It lived in my car for a long time. So... We will take a break right now. We will take our break right now, and then we'll come back. We'll unpack the lyrics, because I think this is kind of Reliant K's, maybe one of their denser lyrical songs. So we'll be right back.
0: We want to thank you very much for listening to Sadie Hawkins Pod. Please follow us on Twitter and Instagram, which are both at Sadie Hawkins Pod. From there, you can interact with us, as well as view the videos and images we talk about on the show.
1: You can also call our voicemail line, which is 402 95 That's 402-957-2343. Leave us a message and we can play it on a future episode. Also,
0: we invite you to check out SadieHawkinsPod.com, one simple place to get links to all our social media and a
1: link to our tea Public store. There you can pick up merchandise, or merch as it's known in the industry, we have our Black Flag Parody shirt, our Little Sheet Boy Ice Cream shirt, and our all-new Boys from Canton Ampersand shirts that list the first names of every album lineup of Relying K.
0: And if you can't get enough of us, well, good news. At Patreon.com slash ShadyHawkinsPod, we are releasing at least two bonus episodes a month. You'll also have access to our whole backlog, including our discussion of Owl City's Ocean Eyes, reading through the Complex Infrastructure book, and the songs from K is for Karaoke.
1: Finally, we want to thank our current patrons who include Daniel, Josh, JR, Jarrett, Eric, Joel, Connor, Michael, Helen, Samantha, Roxanne, Jimmy Eat Pod, This Might Be a Podcast, Tucker, David, and Brady.
0: We hope to see you there. And even if we don't, we hope that you will keep us in positive
1: regard. Aww. So, this song is kind of like one of uh, Reliant K's few SJW songs, right, in a, in a, in a, not direct way, but in a direct way, it kind of depends on how you approach the song, Mm -hmm. because for the longest time, when, when I heard the song when it originally came out, there's a lot going on, and I think there's multiple interpretations, and none of them are necessarily wrong, that I have, right? Like, and whatever whatever other interpretations people might have, I gotta kind of go through my history of what I thought of this song. When I first used to hear this song, I somehow interpreted it, and I wasn't, like, happy with this interpretation, but I somehow interpreted it as, like, a um, persecution, like, the Christian persecution complex kind of Mm -hmm. point of view, Mm -hmm. of, like, you're a Christian and people judge you right there's mm-hmm. so much of that in the christian psyche in the american christian psyche especially because like real christian like christians used to really be persecuted right like christians like hundreds and thousands of years ago like christians in japan and stuff like they were really yeah persecuted yeah but then in America, sometimes, like, there's this, or, or somehow there becomes this idea that, like, you have to be persecuted to, like, show that your faith is real. And what happens in America, because we are, I'm not saying we're in a Christian country in the sense that everyone proudly says we're a Christian country, but we are a country of largely Christians mm-hmm. and there's so many Christians in power and like there's this whole section in the middle of the country that is like strongly identifies themselves as Christian. It's like we're not really per- persecuted in that way. Right. Right. So I kind of interpret The way that this. we're
0: persecuted is more of, you know, being cornered in homeroom and the other girls <laughs> bullying you because you wear a cross necklace every day. And right. they're like, where's your God now as we push you against this wall and the teacher doesn't care.
1: Right. And that sucks. And that's awful. But, like, that's bullying. Yeah. And, like, they could have done that if you had, like, red hair and freckles. Right. They could have done that if that if, if you were another race. Right. And they were all white, right? Like, but,
0: like, like, heaven forbid you're Christian and, like, Star Wars, that makes you a, a massive outcast, <laughs> let me tell you. But not if you like, <laughs> especially not if you're a Christian. in small
1: private schools. <laughs> right. Not if you're a Christian and you like anime. Because as we figured out in a past episode, Christian otakus, otakus, they're out there. Anyway,
0: pretty sure I would have gotten bullied for that, too. <laughs> oh, definitely. So I kind of
1: used to interpret this song back in 2002 and for many years afterwards as like a Christian persecution song. Like specifically, like it's the principal, It's the issue that your principal would dismiss you because you don't fit into that all American box. Like that made me think of the story the narrative that is so strong especially in 90s and 2000s like christian pop culture and news reporting of like a christian at a school who's being told you can't pray or you can't do this or you can't have your prayer club or you can't meet me at the poll or you're too christian and there can't be religion in this school or whatever you know what i mean Mm -hmm. that's a common narrative that would be like pushed by christian different christian reporting and like then you're pastors in your school and your schools your christian schools and your christian churches would like talk about those stories right so i always I kind of interpreted it as that but i i don't think that's exactly what's going on like i think it could be some of that like it could be some of like because there is this this, this stuff talking about jesus loves well there's so much going on it, it, my eventually my mind changed from it, it being about that. Like, there could be an aspect of that in here, but I think it also opened, this song is open to the wider world, right? Mm-hmm. So, let's kind of, dig- so it's kind of starting out. It's the, prin- I, it's the principle, it's the issue that your principal would dismiss you because you don't fit into that all-American box, that coffin created for creative thought, right? So, from the lens of reliant k being uh especially at this time very devout christian band like on anatomy they were still a ministry band like they did not altar calls i don't think but they were still like doing some proselytizing during sets and stuff and they mm-hmm. were still playing with bands like the supertones who very specifically were there to like have altar calls and, and worship sets and prayers in the middle of their sets and stuff so line K is still coming from the point of view of being a ministry. Um, when you look at it through that lens, yeah, you can see how I originally interpreted it. But just taking that first verse out on its own, that's not even necessarily a religious concept at all. Mm-hmm. It, it can still be a story about how, like, it, those four lines can still be a thing about, like, school is a place that stifles your creativity. Mm-hmm. It's a place that puts you in a line to say this is how we are conditioning you to function in the society we want you to function in don't question things, just do your, get your grades, like don't worry about how, what is your learning language or whatever, right? Like just, just this is the form we have. This is how it works. You got to learn this way and you got to test this way. And if you fail, you fail and you don't get your degree.
0: I'm just thinking about how ridiculous my high school was because it's like, I went to high school and, and that first year, was, so, my high school was a very small private school. The year prior, it had opened, like, a year or two before as a homeschool co-op. And then they got the accreditation, they got a building, and they became a private school the year that I started as a Montessori-type school where Mm -hmm. there were going to be no grades, there were going to be no tests. Like, they just, like, gave you a GPA at the end of the year based on how well you did and seemed to actually understand and reflect the knowledge. Mm -hmm. And so... My first year there it was still being run by there were teachers, but it was still being run by the two sets of like parents who started the school. and it's funny because I like I said, I was bullied for being a Christian, which I always thought was like the weirdest thing to be bullied for because I'm like, what like what year is this? Why are you bullying me for this particularly like I get bullying me for it's it's 2001, 2002 and I'm like a weird, Awkward introvert nerdy girl who's, like, into Star Wars and, you know, always has a camera, like, around her hand and stuff. Like, I totally... And, like, is, just writes all the time. I totally get that. But, like, right. what a weird thing to be persecuted for... And not persecuted, but what a weird thing to be bullied for is, like, being a Christian. And so this school was... They were, like, trying to be, like, oh, we're so open and so whatever, and, like, we want to teach you the way you need to be taught. And then the people who started this school was the one... Was my homeroom teacher, and her daughter was one of the ones doing the bullying, which is why she it was gotten away with, mm-hmm. so because she didn't care that her daughter was bullying me right. for that. And when we went to who was supposed to be the headmaster slash guidance counselor, she, who was the other uh, set of family who who started the school, she was like supposed to be like uh they were a Buddhist supposedly, and mm-hmm. now these. Uh, they're just like as American as American, you know, as apple pie. But that they were like, box. yeah, they were like Buddhist and like really big into like the Dalai Lama and his teachings. And she very much just like was like, oh, well, we don't care that you're getting bullied for yeah. your religion or anything, and whatever, like everyone just coexist and be happy and this and that. And it's like, wow, really? And so I <laughs> had you're a, a lot victim, of trouble. that's your role in
1: life, yeah, right? Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. It was very much just like nothing was really being done about it, and it and became a thing where, again, nothing was done about it until my mom was like, I will pull my daughter out of this school if you do not shape up. Like, uh, like they, they had already paid my tuition at a different school when they found this school and were like, oh, we feel that Jessica would thrive and do much better here. Uh-huh. So they put me into this school. They're like, we can go send her to the other school. We'll do that. And then <laughs> finally things started to kind of get done about it. And then thankfully, so I had a really hard year that first year. Thankfully someone else came in and, like, purchased the school and, like, we had, prop like, a proper principal and things. And they actually, like, we had proper, like, authority come in (laughs) after that for my next three years. So it was a much better atmosphere. You've told me bits and pieces of the story, but I don't
1: think you've told it to me from, like, like... In this specific way, before, yeah,
0: and it was very like we weren't we were non denominational. The other owner was was Jewish, but didn't really practice their faith or whatever. So right. it, you know, it's just it it was a well, different atmosphere. What if bullying
1: was <laughs> that girl's way of being creative? That was her way of breaking out oh, of that all American box. Was her way of being creative. <laughs> so that original that original <laughs> principal didn't want to stifle that one student. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm kidding. Uh, I just randomly called to mind there's a descendant song off of uh their more recent album not the b-side album that is coming out or just came out it is out yeah it's out now not ninth and walnut but um hypercafium spazinate there's a song on there called limiter and it's and it's a similar thing about like what school does to a kid like how it's it's supposed to be this place that like where you Nurturs learn you and you grow and are yeah. nurtured, but it actually is, like, there to, like, constrict you and make you be one thing. And I know um, people
0: have it way harder with bullying and stuff. I'm just saying, like, it was just such an odd atmosphere where they tried to, like, be, like, they tried to preach that we are this school where it's, like, you know, we're here for, you know, the more kinesthetic learners, you know, the hands-on learners who need, you know, the extra, extra bit of attention. We're really small and stuff. And then when it came to more, like, social issues... They just didn't care. Right. It was just like any other school, mm-hmm. which is just so, so odd and so fascinating to me.
1: Right. Also, there's, I'm just looking up the lyrics to Limiter. Just give a pill. Yeah. And there's some other stuff about like over-medicating kids, which I do believe in medication for like emotional and psychological issues but there is a de- definitely a problem with over-medicating kids like children like children like they should be sort of your ch- it, it's got to make sense you got to work together you know what i mean
0: yeah i was put on ritalin in first grade so
1: right. <laughs> i don't think drugs existing is the issue i'm just now i'm talking about this descendant song but it also comes up it'll come up it'll in It'll come up K in another K Reliant well. K song. Yeah.
0: I was like, Oh, like, I didn't think we
1: were gonna do we go to that. We took prescription drugs, week. look what yeah. good that did.
0: <laughs> but we'll
1: talk more about that when we get there. But there is a there is a thing where y- 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 if if you're not in the hands of a competent doctor or a doctor who really cares, you could be over you could over medicate your child mm-hmm. we have a family member who is literally being on the wrong medication and and like their short-term memory has been affected so there is that issue you have to be in the hands of a competent caring physician a medical professional to figure that stuff out it's not that the, it's not that the drugs themselves are the the wrong thing just like school is not something that's wrong but school in the hands of incompetent or uncaring people, Is a place that destroys lives. (laughs) I have all these stories to talk about school, and I don't even know if I can get into all of them because it's so funny. When Jessica met me, she's like, "Oh, Danny's so laid back and chill, and he does really good here in college." And I did good in college because I was kind of in a climate, in an atmosphere, in a um, like, in a way that I could like learn and I could take it on myself. But like all throughout elementary school, and middle school, and high school, I worked with, I had some of like teachers and um administrators who just were awful at their job were just awful at their job and like didn't give me and my parents also didn't understand what I needed because I'm sure they were raised in a certain way in a way in which school worked that it was a huge problem for me and looking back on it now like there was some application I could have done but I was a child trying to learn my way in the world like I needed adults who were competent (laughs) to say oh Danny here's where you can apply yourself here's what you can do here's where you can grow and then if I don't work in that in that atmosphere that's better for me then that's on me but if I'm a child only being given the system I'm given and it's not working there's something wrong with the adults making the decisions around my life right so I had a lot of Bad teachers and bad administrators who did not know how, and I'm sure I was not the only kid, because, like, I went to public school for many years, and I had this one particular situation with a teacher that, like, I actually ended up going to private school after that. And I only went to Christian schools. I could have gone to many different kinds of private schools, but I ended up going to Christian schools just because they kind of made the most sense for me. It wasn't from, like, a religious point of view. Like, we looked at a number of different kind of private schools, but I just basically couldn't be in the public school system anymore. My parents were trying to figure it out. Like, what's the issue? And they knew I was smart and stuff, but, like, school was such a bad place for me. And then, like, later had all kinds of issues, even in the Christian schools, I had issues because I went to, like, one, two, three. I went to three different Christian schools. And in one case, the school closed down. In one case, I was doing really well at the first Christian private school I went to. And they closed down.
0: <laughs> that makes me so sad.
1: And then the um, second one was actually more of a regular-sized high school. And they were actually in a high school building. Like, they bought a high school building from the, t- from the town that they were located in they were bigger and I was not doing well there. And I had a number of teachers there who were awful. And it's like, as soon as like I'm treated badly by a teacher, like back then I would kind of shut down and be like, what's the point? Like, especially cause I was already like gun shy <laughs> from the way I'd been treated by public school. And then eventually we found this other school that was more like the first school that closed down where I met my friend, Johnny where I started seeing, during that school, I started seeing Reliant K shows and all these kind of things. And that's when I discovered like local bands. And that's when I started actually discovering music and things that like I could pour myself into that made me happy extracurricularly. And so, but I still had issues there where my parents were basically like getting ready to get divorced and like my home life was so incredibly unstable. And I was just so incredibly unhappy that like I didn't really apply myself. Now in this case, I didn't apply myself, but like I wasn't given a much of a chance. And then there was like this big meeting with the teachers and my dad and all it was about was what I'm not doing right. And I was like, sure, I could have this, there is, there was an aspect at this point in 12th grade where I wasn't applying myself as hard as I could in this bad home life situation. But there was never a discussion or even like, uh, like relenting to the idea that maybe I'm not being, I'm not in a good enough situation. Like there's something obviously outside of myself that was affecting this. So then once I got to college, I don't have any of my family around (laughs) college is a much different situation where, you know, you're not like going to school and staying there all day and you have more time and classes are actually less of your day. So I loved college (laughs) (laughs) and I was actually able to apply myself in college. And like the worst situations with teachers there were never like, you know, it was, it was just like that teacher is an or whatever. It's not like, it's not, it was never like that teacher specifically is targeting me because they don't like me. I had a kindergarten teacher who used to try to, give me little setbacks, because my parents were some of the few conservatives in town. I grew up in Massachusetts, a, a, a blue state, and, like, my parents were known in my town as, like, my dad had run for, like, local office in town as the Republican, and... Like the teacher knew that that right, and she like would basically like treat me lesser than other kids, which I didn't know at the time. But I didn't know this. Don't be a teacher then. Yeah, I didn't really know this at the time because I was a kid, and I'm like, I'm just here at school, and if the teacher's talking to me or not, whatever, I don't care. Cool, fine. I, I didn't know about this until later because also my parents, despite being like Republican conservatives in a very blue area in the 80s never ever talked to me about politics never like had like especially because there was no 24-hour news in the 80s but it was never like sitting me down and telling me now danny we vote for the conservatives because blah 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 i literally didn't ever learn like politics until 9 11. (laughs) until like all of the uncertainty and confusion around 9 11 like suddenly all of that talk, and especially, like, you know, the Middle Eastern War and, like, Iraq, and then, you know, uh, Iran and Iraq, and, like, George W. Bush, like, I didn't, nobody ever, my parents never sat me down. They kept me out of that stuff, but I had this asshole teacher who treated me badly because I was the kid of the conservatives in town, but I didn't know shit about (laughs) politics. And in fact, my parents left me so alone on politics that I built my own, like, I followed my own heart on issues. So, like, when it came when it comes to, like, not being a homophobe, like, I definitely had times where I was kind of pushed towards being more homophobic overall. But when I was a kid, like, you know, they never talked about homosexuality at the churches I went to in the 80s. And... My parents never, my parents might have offhandedly said, like, oh, you know, uh, homosexuality is a sin or whatever. And, like, I'm sure that they were uncomfortable around people that they knew were gay or whatever, you know, or they were trying to be love the sin or hate the sin, which is not the right way to look at it either. But, like, because my parents left me alone when it came to politics and, social issues like i built i followed my own heart on things and i was like oh you you, there's no reason to hate gay people i always felt that way (laughs) and it wasn't until i went to those private schools later in high school and ended up going to those youth groups that were associated with those churches from those schools that like there was more pressure to like Think of homosexual homosexuals as sinners and stuff like that, and I started to think that way. But because I had not been indoctrinated to that from my whole life, it was easy to break back out of that once I left that atmosphere. So, yeah, oh, that high school, that kindergarten teacher. Um, there was one other thing I was gonna say about it, right? We did a mock election for 1988, right? This is how old I am. (laughs) Bush, Bush senior.
0: What? No, that's how is that possible? I was six okay. years old. Oh my gosh. Cause I'm like, I was like one. Our kindergartners on six years old. Two, like at that time. Maybe I was
1: five. If you consider what, where my birthday is in the year, I could have been five. So, but it's the, it's, and, and I don't know how early the, uh, my, it was Bush senior versus Mike Dukakis was the democratic hopeful that year. So at whatever point this would have been, uh, however soon Mike Dukakis got the Democratic nomination, I'm not sure.
0: You would have been five going on six. And by the time the election happened, you would have been six because of where your birthday is in November.
1: Okay, so my parents, so not my parents. So in kindergarten in 1988, we have a mock election where we have little ballots and it says, George Bush and it says Mike Dukakis and I'm sure there was a D and an R next to their names and then we go into the ballot but we go into the ballot booth which was which was like under one of the cubbies it was like under one of the play sets like we actually went into the ballot booth and Mm -hmm. we closed the thing and we voted and we came back out and I don't know if we put them in a box or handed them but somehow she knew who I voted for I don't know if we put our names on them or whatever but I voted for Mike Dukakis because my best friend's name, when I was five years old, was <laughs> Michael. So I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> well, I didn't know... I don't know as you do as a child. I don't know issues, Democrats, or Republicans. I mean, I knew what Democrat and Republican was, but I absolutely... I didn't learn... I did not learn what liberal and conservative meant until 9-11. I, and um, um, almost 20 at that point. I literally didn't know what conservative and liberal meant until the discourse got louder after 9-11. So... This fucking piece of shit Jeez. kindergarten teacher. She's a piece of shit. She looks at she like, she's like flabbergasted. She's flabbergasted. This fool, You're this a old, child. this old fool is flabbergasted that the son of the conservatives in town voted for Mike Dukakis. I'm a child. I don't know these things. You're an evil witch <laughs> who thinks that this is important to me grow up lady
0: so <laughs> what's funny is because danny and i are four years apart we did this exact same thing thousands of miles away in my kindergarten four years later except you picked it was a they had like coloring pictures of bill clinton and i don't know Bush whoever that ni- Bush was senior. Bush senior senior i guess yeah and they were like, okay, who do you want to vote for? Like, you pick the picture that you want to color or whatever. And I picked Bill Clinton because I'm like, oh, he looks like a nice grandfather versus <laughs> George Bush, who looked like, I don't know, a not nice grandfather. I don't know. And so I took it, and, like, we had to color it, and then we did the thing in the ballot box, and then, like, we got them back at the end of the day. And so I took mine home, and they were like... I was, my, my mom and dad are like, oh, what'd you do today at school? And I'm like, oh, we had an election. We had to vote. And they're like, oh, who'd you vote for? And my aunt and uncle, who are very liberal, were there at the time visiting. And I pulled out my picture and I was like, I voted for this one because I didn't know who it was. And they are just like, and my aunt and uncle thought it was hilarious. And my dad just kind of grumbled. <laughs> like but like I'm a child, I picked the one. There, I was like, I don't know. He looked nice. Right.
1: I don't know. And yes, the thing is, this is how most people actually vote as adults. By the way, <laughs> who looks the nicest? Who would I have a like, beer with? This is how adults actually vote. Okay, you just
0: did like that little like hands up finger wiggle, <laughs> like like Homer Simpson.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so this is this is the kind of stuff. Like, it school sucks. This, coming back to the first verse of this song. Teason is right, school sucks. And, like, it's not even a matter of, like, you know, whether it's a Christian school or a public school. Like, any school in the hands of incompetent administrators can stifle and hurt students and, like, try to put them in a box. Like, if you're in a Christian school and you're too... You're too loud. You're too alternative. <laughs> if you question, if you question certain things in the wrong way, I will say, like for the most part, a lot of like the um, religious teachers at my Christian schools were like not super strict and like were open to questions and and understanding that there was the, like we're kids and and we have questions about things and and that we could go to them. They were always kind and caring. The main pastor at the at the church of one of the schools. Was an amazing pastor, um, except that he like bought into like the Pokemon or evil thing. <laughs> like, like, dude. Other than that, other than that, um, it's, but
0: it's always funny when Danny and I talk about our upbringings and about schools because we have polar opposite experiences whereas like aside from that first year of high school where it was it was just the owners of the school and the administrators there who really weren't weren't doing things correctly because educationally I was thriving there but it was like you know I came from my mom's teacher so like she was always very involved in everything Mm -hmm. that I did you know from school to extracurricular she always volunteered at all my schools like my mom was a known entity so much so that Teachers often called me Jennifer instead of Jessica because my mom's name is Jennifer.
1: That's so funny because that's what our friend Bo does. (laughs)
0: What a coincidence. What a coincidence indeed. So like I came from this very like let's figure out your learning style and make sure that you're getting enough attention and this and that to Danny who was just like the opposite sort of just uh, here's a school. (laughs) <laughs> go to school, learn the things and had, you know, these really unfortunate situations with teachers and educators who, you know, did not work with him the way he needed to be worked with, who did not nurture him the way that he should have been. Mm-hmm. And it always makes me really sad.
1: This also benefited my sister in a big way, because she's three years younger than me. And after I had all these really bad issues, one the main one I haven't even talked about yet, but all these bad issues with uh, school, especially the public school my sister for the most part stayed in public school i think she went for one or two different years to different private schools of her own like asking but um my parents had the benefit of realizing that the administrators are not actually there to look out for us and my parents didn't understand that they followed what my the administrators would say i got in trouble for lots of legitimate reasons like getting mad in class or whatever like there was a root to it that wasn't being like, addressed, but, yeah, if I have a real outburst in class, that that is my fault, right? Like, it is. I mean, like I said, if the root of the issue was addressed, I wouldn't have had that outburst, but it's my fault. Still, when there are all of these, like, when I'm, when I'm then identified as a problem kid in school, I'm just a problem kid in that school. It's like, it's like the problem with, 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 um, with police with with bad police how it's like well once you're a perp you're a perp like there's no and hey we that, that'll leave right you're not the a perp you're a perp <laughs> even if you're not a perp you're a perp. if you're the wrong if you're the wrong skin color if you're in the wrong area if what then then that's what you are which will lead us into the <laughs> the pre-chorus uh actually the next wait yeah the pre-chorus so um yeah but the benefit of my sister in this way was that my parents realized the school administrators were not there to look out for our family, which they kind of assumed they would because they're they're boomers and kind of school's there to help kids nurture and learn. And that's not what it was by the 80s. And absolutely, that's not what it is after the 80s. So the the pre-course is it's disgusting his priorities, how we're entrusting him with authority, And then there's kind of a... So the first part references a principle. And obviously that's some wordplay because, like, it's the principle, it's the issue. Using the word principle. Thiessen there is using the word principle in terms of, you know, an issue. A principle. I actually don't know the definition of principle when you're not talking about the job. When it's spelled with a P-L-E, right? Primary. It could be like
0: a primary. Like
1: the principal character in. So there's obviously wordplay there saying there's a principle... And he's, an, he's a jerk, and he's not very good at his job, and he's trying to control these children, and he's not giving them room to grow, and he's not nurturing them in the right way. But then Tyson's saying it's the principle of the issue that this particular administrator in this school is doing such a bad job to help these kids, right?
0: PLE is a fundamental truth or proposition that serves as the foundation for a system of belief or behavior or a chain of reasoning. Gotcha
1: then we then in the pre-chorus it kind of switches to this sort of judge thing which it's more wordplay because he's referring to a judge as in the job because there's a gavel referenced but he's also talking about judgment that this principle is laying down so it's kind of this it's almost like a cross cut or like an in-camera or like an in-camera transition like how we're switching between characters it's not really i don't think it's supposed to put a specific uh physical story in mind but it's we're kind of cross-cutting between these concepts of like a bad principle and a bad judge and then he says he finished this racism before it reached the start so you have a bad judge who's literally racist and we don't know what it's referring to but we don't need to know because we know in our society how many judges just like bring down judgment on someone based on their race based on a situation that wasn't in their control
0: principle with an al is first in order of importance main or of money denoting an original sum investment or lend
1: right well i'm an accountant so you think i'd remember that the word principal doesn't come up in my job a lot being in accounts payable but it comes up once in a while when we deal with uh, what are they called leases <laughs> <laughs> So this is, like, sort of the social justice part of the song, right? It's, like, he finished this racism before it reached the start. Like, this, someone has judged someone based purely on their status, who they are, their race, like, the, like the fact that they're a problem kid at the school. Like, obviously, like, because that's the thing. Once you're a problem kid at school, no matter how hard you apply yourself, like you're already set back in the minds of these kids my mom told me a story one time when she was when i was a little kid probably in the same kindergarten or something and we went on a field trip to the art museum my mom was a chaperone and she wasn't in my group because you didn't chaperone the same group with your kid and there was some kid there who was like struggling trying to fill out something or do something and the teacher came up to her and said oh don't worry about him he's he's beyond help Jeez,
0: that's the, awful. Yeah,
1: like why be a teacher? Yeah, why, why? be a teacher? And that that's was like horrible. the first inkling that my mom had, right? But at the time, she was probably like, "Oh, it's probably that one teacher." Who is like, no, it's like we were in a system in Massachusetts in the eighties and nineties with horrible, horrible teachers. Like, and I'm sure like their pay and situations and like politics beat them down as well. But the whole system is just <laughs> fucked. <laughs>
0: yeah, it is because and. On the flip side of that, because my mom was so involved in my, in my learning and everything, I have a lot of learning issues. Mm-hmm. And so they were, like, addressed, and I was getting extra help even within – so I went public school from – for just elementary school. So from kindergarten to fifth grade. And I had a lot of trouble with reading, So I couldn't really, uh, like, read properly. And, like, my mom read to me every night. Like, there was – I kind of fell because I was played a favorite of Mm -hmm. by teachers and stuff because I was just a nice, quiet girl who, you know, worked hard and, you know, did her thing and was polite and had a mom who was really involved and especially really involved with the school. There was some favoritism played towards me. And, you know, some extra attention given to mm-hmm. in most of, you know, my classes through, you know, elementary school. And so because of that, I think certain things did kind of, I, looking back as an adult, I'm like, I think that they let certain things like reading and like where, what level I was at reading right. my slide. Right. So I'm like, it's, it's interesting to see sort of the, it's, you know, it's, it's the other side of the same coin. Right. Where it was like, my teachers were just like, they understood and they knew that because I, you know, I was getting extra help in school, I was getting extra help at home, but so they knew that I was working towards it. And because of that, they just kind of like where my level was at reading wise, they let it slide. Right. Now I'm a great reader. I read all the time. I read like every night before bed, but that took me a really long time to get to that point because it just wasn't my strong suit. I had a lot of difficulty doing that growing up. Right.
1: Right. And it's not even like, I can see how some of that can be seen as like privilege or whatever. Right. But it's not even like privilege because they weren't doing you any favors. (laughs) It's more like they just didn't want to bother because like maybe they were like, maybe they were treating you nice, but also like maybe they were in some cases like afraid of doing something wrong or offending your mom or something and causing a stir.
0: My mom actually really wanted me to be held back in like when I was going from preschool After I finished preschool and I was about to go into elementary school and kindergarten, Mm -hmm. my mom really wanted me to be held back. Right. And I don't know if it was the, like, government in general or if it was the state of Georgia would not allow me to because I was, like... At the, I was un, I was not below whatever the line was enough right. to get held back. And my mom was like, socially, I don't think she's ready. I know that in certain education wise, she's not ready. Being a teacher herself mm-hmm. and a very good teacher at that, mm-hmm. she was like, <laughs> I know that she's not ready. Right. And it's a good thing that she didn't hold me back because then I wouldn't have met you <laughs> since we <laughs> met in college when I was eighteen at the proper age. But.
1: A lot of people end a lot of people end up not because of like privilege or nepotism, not that this is not. Nepo- not to call nepotism in this situation your fault in any way, but not for those kind of reasons, but sometimes people get kids get moved along in school just because they don't want to deal with them or there's a number or a quota. Like someone's actually failing and they haven't really they don't feel confident that they've completed the grade that they need but they're like well just put them into the next grade because we have we can't have we can't have a certain number of failures and we got to push them along or we don't want to have to, we don't have the time to deal eventually. with them.
0: Yeah. Or we think yeah. they'll learn it eventually. They're showing enough strides that they're trying.
1: Right. But you know? I mean, there might be other situations. Yeah. that, that,
0: that I'm, I'm saying some in kids, addition Some your, kids yeah. might be able
1: to pull themselves up in that in that way, but other kids might not. Like some kids might get pushed along and they can't read at the level they're at because the school just pushed them along grade after grade after grade because it's like, we don't want to hold you back. Not because we don't want not, to, not to help you, but because we don't want to be seem responsible for the fact that you're not learning so we'll keep pushing you along in the system
0: well especially in like elementary school it's a little bit different because it's like if you're doing you know you have one teacher for everything so if you're doing you know so strongly in other subjects they don't want to you know hold you back unless it's like an overall issue with all of the things so like if you're doing well in you know with writing and you know, science or whatever, but you're and you're like just passing math, but right. like you're not doing very well with reading or whatever it is, then they're like, uh, just you, you should because you're, you're at the other levels, you're there, right? So, you know, you technically are, are learning well enough to move on.
1: Well, going back to the song, um, there is a genius annotation for the line, he finished this racism before it reached the start. And I'm like, I mean, I get it, uh, the annotator says, this is a play on words. He finished this race-ism before he reached the start, meaning he made a poor judgment before getting to know you, right? So it's like a race and a start, but it's racism. And yeah, I get it. The thing is, like, oh, obviously, Teeson is an amazing, like, wordsmith and puns and wordplay and all these things. But I feel like this one is, sure, you need the annotation because to explain to people who might have missed it. But referring to race as in, you know, our ethnicities and our differences, and then race as in, you know, speeding and trying to beat each, you know, a race, like the, the word, the way, <laughs> the way race means two things, that's going to be one of the most common puns ever in terms of art that deals with, and, and poetry and lyrics that deal with race. <laughs> like, that's not the most original thing in a Reliant K song. Like, that's got to be one of the most overused one outside of other contexts. I mean, in this song, I'm not disparaging Teeson's use of it here because there's so much other stuff already happening with the principal, also means principal, and the judge also means the job of a judge, and the principal is judging, but he's not the judge. There's, it's it's wordplay after wordplay after wordplay. So in this context, Teeson using a very common pun makes sense all put together in this first part of the song but i'm just saying like this is not the one to specially note when it's so overly used right by other songs so now we get into how, how long are we into this we're an hour and a 20 so now we finally get to christ we finally get to jesus <laughs> um because this might as
0: be I, a two-parter episode <laughs> oh, maybe.
1: but as i said this pre-chorus and the chorus and the verse before it can absolutely be taken out of the context of Christ and just say this is like this is an issue whether from a Christian or non-Christian point of view a secular point of view or a point of view from any other religion or philosophy you know racism and judgment and school systems just stifling people is an issue it doesn't even necessarily have to do with Christ but then it's tied back here into Christ which I have even more stuff to say about The chorus is, Jesus loved the outcasts, he loves the ones the world just loved to hate, and as long as there's a heaven, there'll be a failure to excommunicate. So this is an amazing line. Obviously, the reference to the movie Cool Hand Luke, starring Paul Newman, where he's a prisoner. I mean, it already ties so well together to everything else we've talked about. When, like, a cop sees you as a perp, you're always a perp, and that's so, so common in prison movies. Where, you know, he's basically this guy... Paul Newman's character is someone who refuses to be, like, stifled by this system. Like, he doesn't want to be in prison, but he makes the best of it he can. And he won't let this system beat him down. So he kind of, like, plays it up and he's constantly, like... I've seen the movie. It's been a while. But he's, he's try- he, he's He like, constantly trying to get people... All the other prisoner spirits up. And he kind of needles the guards in just the right way to, like... Seem like a problem, but not too much of a problem. And eventually, it all comes to a head. And I can't remember how it ends. I think he gets killed in the end. It's referred to spoiler warning. Well, it's referred to as a Christ analogy. Um, that's a whole nother discussion. But um, the movie is referred to by scholars as a Christ analogy. So to say to to take that it's and it's a, to say we have a failure to communicate. That's the line from Cool Hand Luke. And it, it's, it's a line that lives well past that movie. People say that all the time. We have a failure to communicate. I think it's also said in Full Metal Jacket. Um, he might also say it there, but that's not what it's most famously known for. And so here the pun is failure to excommunicate, which I think a lot of people could come up with that pun overall. Like it's pretty easy to think of the word communicate and you put the word X on it. So you say failure to excommunicate. Anyone could come up with that pun, but here it is the cornerstone, the perfect explanation of this song's philosophy overall. And that is that no matter how much racism and horrible systems and awfulness there is from people in the world, how much rejection and how much bullying there is in the world, and it all comes down to basically rejection. It all comes down to someone sees you and they just hate you. Someone sees you and they just want to torture you. Someone sees you and they just reject you outright. They don't want to bring you into their life. It all comes down to rejection. Christ doesn't reject anybody because excommunication is... I, I need to look up the word excommunication. But I know in the context of, of uh Catholicism and Christianity, it means when you when you're pushed out of a church. You're like, we don't want you in this church anymore. And yeah. specifically in Catholicism, where like salvation came through the church, if you got excommunicated from the church, like literally you're just going to hell, right? It's like, cutting it's a cutting off of communication. Right. Like it it also happens in,
0: in the Amish culture where you're right. excommunicated from the church, the the town, your your
1: whole community. Right. So in like before the protestant reformation i'm not a theologian but i know what i know just from school and from here and there right before the protestant reformation and all that stuff and when the catholic church is the christian church and they make the decisions and it's human beings who say they're in communication with god but let's just be serious let's 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 just human beings who are in charge of the church And they make judgments on other human beings in their church and they say, well, you're excommunicated or whatever, or, you know, you have to come to us, the, 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 the people, the, the leaders of the church to get your salvation. Right. And then Protestantism is, is, exists now. And like, no matter all the other issues we have with Christianity in America today, it all comes down to the fact that, you know, you believe in Christ and you're saved. In, and Christ is in your life, he's in your heart, and he makes you a better person. Um, you might also say, some people might also say that Christ died on the cross to save all of us. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe some people don't wanna hear that, And but maybe that's the case. And so Christ will never excommunicate you. Christ will never push you away like the judge and the principal did, right? And like the church does and like communities now, t- Bring it back to modern times when you're in a church and something goes wrong in your life and everybody judges you like all the like people in your church are like, Oh, he's, you hear what he did. Oh, don't, don't talk to him. He's a he's just, you know, I don't want to make up hypothetical situations, but we all know what I'm talking about. You're in a church and something happens and instead of being treated with Christian love in a hard time, you're treated like you're broken material and they don't want you around.
0: Which is a real problem with, and, and something that both Danny and I kind of have an issue with with the like the organization right. of organized religion right in that and to me religion is always spirituality has just always been so personal it's such a personal thing because if you look and if you do believe the Bible and if you do read you know into it you're you're seeing that that God loves everyone. Jesus loves everyone. You were put on this world. So like some organization being like, no, you're not loved now. Like, no, like you can still talk to God. You don't have to go to a special place to do that. You can talk to him anywhere.
1: And because and I can only speak for what like I feel like I've been taught from church and from Christian schools my whole life. But when you're taught in a certain way to like what's going on over there with those people that sin and what's going on with those people that believe that thing, they're going to hell right when you see all that and i'm like well then and then they say oh by the way jesus loves the outcast they'll say that in church and it's like yeah but you're also teaching me that like homosexuals are going to hell like they don't put it in practice have, yeah okay. i have definitely i had de- i definitely had situations in those later high school churches and schools where it was like like said if not strongly implied that if you believe in christ but you're gay like you're going to hell like you can't be gay and be christian and i'm like that makes no f-ing sense because it's like it's like I, I i like i couldn't wrap my head around it i'm like because I mean, you we think talked that, about that a murderer
0: can get saved <laughs> yeah but
1: like just because of who
0: you love you can't it makes no sense right and
1: it's like it's like well well they're 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 living and then, they, they repented they, you know yeah like, it's well, like well they'll need to repent of their homosexuality it's like no that's literally not I mean, even from within, and we have talked about this, I think, in the God episode, it's like even from within the, the, the rationale that you have, like the Christian rationale that you have, like that still doesn't make sense because even, even if you accept that, which I don't, if thinking in the rationale of homosexuality is a sin, it doesn't matter if you repent of it or not because once you have Christ in your heart, that's it you're saved. He's in you, no matter what. It doesn't matter where your thing goes into what things or what things rub against what things. Like, no physical thing excommunicates your salvation from Christ. Your body doesn't matter. By the way, speaking of that high school, this just put this in my mind. I don't have no way of pulling it up right now. But the alumni Facebook group for that Christian school that I graduated from, where I met my friend Johnny, Somebody put some copy pasta on there, like that was like, let this some stupid like chain mail copy pasta thing that you post all over and you send in emails and you put on your Facebook wall of like, here's a bunch of little stories about people who said I don't need God and the next day they died. Like Mar- Marilyn Monroe said. There's, you know, there's no God and I am the only God or whatever. She didn't say that. But this is the breakdown of the story. And the next day, she was dead in a hotel room. And uh, this famous politician said, well, there's no Christ and blah, blah, blah. And the next day, he was run over in the street. Whatever, right? It's like, stop trying to make God a f***ing boogeyman who's like some sort of like... The
0: Beatles said they're bigger than Jesus and like everybody's still <laughs> listening to them. Two of them are still around. <laughs> yeah. Well that's the thing is like
1: not the one that said it but you know I don't took believe took a few more years like despite anything else that I might believe that Christians or people who are more evangelically minded might think that I think is here is a uh, heretical the fact is Christ saves you our god now, in the Christian way of thinking, is not the Old Testament God. He doesn't strike you down for saying things. That doesn't f***ing happen, all right? God's not a boogeyman waiting to strike you down for saying the wrong thing. Think of a parent. Think of a parent of a child, and the child is having a temper tantrum because they didn't get their cookie, and they start saying at the parent, I hate you, I hate you, I hate you because you won't give me that cookie. A reasonable parent understands at that moment that my three-year-old doesn't literally hate me. Maybe you have a tinge because, oh, I can't believe they're saying this to me and it hurts a little, but you don't actually, but hopefully later you can laugh because you're like, well, my child doesn't literally hate me because they're not having a cookie. They just picked up the concept of hate somewhere and they're overusing it and they're saying, I hate you because you won't give me that cookie. And you say, no, you can't have the cookie and you let them have their temper tantrum and you're a good parent and you, you know, hopefully teach them right from wrong later on. A parent. The kid says, I want that cookie, I hate you, I hate you, I hate you, smack. That's a shitty parent. Which parent is God? Is God the one who fucking smacks the shit out of their kid because they said I hate you because you won't give me my cookie? Or is it the the parent who stands by and says, this kid just doesn't hasn't figured out life yet and I love them and I have nothing but patience and love in my heart for them, so I'm not going to f***ing take it personally when my three-year-old tells me they hate me because they saw it in a Marvel movie and they don't actually know what it means. My God is the, is the calm one. My God is not the fucking Old Testament God who strikes you down because you said something wrong. So this copy pasta on this Facebook group outraged me, and I actually replied to it very calmly. And I was like, God is not a fucking boogeyman there to strike you down because you said the wrong thing. I don't care what you do on earth. I don't believe in this, like, ironic narrative of your life. I think if you pray to the Lord, if you pray to the universe, if you pray, you bring goodness into you. Some unseen force that is God comes into your life and it brings good things out. But if you're, and if you expel hate and anger, then it brings back more hate and anger on you. But this idea that it's like a narrative of like, you curse God, and then suddenly you're struck by lightning. That's just a f***ing coincidence. And then, but it becomes this narrative of that's what happened. you know what I mean? Or like, it's just, it's because my god is not a television writer trying to figure out the most like shocking ironic twist for the season closer for your life. He's a god of patience and love who does not excommunicate you because of some shit. He's god. He's up there in the sky or he's in another plane of existence or he's around us or he's whatever. He doesn't give a shit if I knock this dog skin ointment on the ground. God's not now mad at me because I did that and he's not going to serve out some special punishment to me. Same as if I walk down the street and I stab a random person. Like, obviously I have put awfulness into the world and like awfulness is going to now continue to procreate through the world because I just killed somebody. But it's not like, you know...
0: God's your parent who loves God you still forgives even me though for you said person. you hated them because they wouldn't let you have
1: yeah maybe i took it a little far with the difference between throwing something on the ground and killing somebody but you know what i mean like it's awful if when you're a murderer but god has forgiveness even for the murderers so god has forgiveness for the things that are barely sin that people push as more like sin
0: (sighs) it's very uniquely put dan (laughs) i like the message (laughs) I think that you should become a new age pastor where you just
1: swear a lot. Those <laughs> exist. No, those for sure exist. exist. There was one in Orlando and unfortunately I never <laughs> went to it. Went I, to, I never went to their church, but I used to hear about the pastor that swears in Orlando. So there's so many more lyrics that we didn't get to. So but maybe before that we'll go take our break and we'll be right back. We already took a break. What? <laughs> took a break. What do you mean? <laughs> I'm kidding I know so uh let's quickly we said so much but let's just quickly go through these (laughs) lyrics it's disgusting his priorities how we're entrusting him with authority his gavel's gone down before he looked in your heart I I know I already read this but one thing I forgot to say you could almost read
0: that as an anti-christian
1: thing too I guess because, like, there's always this thing about how God puts people in authority. There's always that excuse when, like, awful people are in authority. Like, Hitler was like, well, God allowed him to be in authority or whatever. I also have a memory of one, of my first Christian school where I was there. And I was like, hey, how did, um, there's a kid there named Brandon. I'm like, how did Brandon become one of the leaders of, uh, you know, he's just a kid at the school as well. And it's like, how did become the leader of, uh, whatever section of something at the school for something and this like tool of a teacher is like God put him there I'm like, yeah, but how did he get in that that's position? Not God put him there. That's not an answer. That's not an answer. And it's in no way, like, in service of God to do that. Like, yeah, okay, sure, God puts people in authority. If you believe that, like, absolutely. And that's a question
0: that had an easy answer to it. I know. Like, when you're, had... like, a parent and you're like, uh, because God said so to, like, right. some really difficult Or, oh, no, we can't go question. for ice cream. They're closed
1: right. or whatever. <laughs> or turn the light off because in the car because it's illegal. It's like it was an easy answer. And... She's not, she wasn't benefiting God's divine plan in any way to say that. If anything, if she does that to other people, she's only cutting off opportunities for the Lord to put people in positions of authority. So she was a, she's just a jerk. She was a jerk. Whatever. (laughs) I'm spicy today spicy. Um, you have a problem with authority. The world just keeps you at arm's length. Every week you work up the strength to fight the flames that are hurled. Let your faith shine right through. You know it's the world versus Jesus and you. So this also kind of ties back to that original concept I had of the song that it's mm-hmm. about Christian persecution. But it's not... it it can be interpreted that way, but it's not really exactly about that. And it's not about, it's not like he's saying here, it's the world versus you and your faith in Jesus. It can be interpreted that way. But I'm also now in the context of everything we've been saying, like I can see how it's, The world versus you, which is true of literally every person on the planet. The world is against you at all times. But the idea is you have Christ with you. And now it's the world versus Jesus and you who can be against you, right? Like you have the strength now because you have your faith in Christ. It can be misinterpreted. It can be interpreted or misinterpreted as the world versus you and your faith in Christ. But I don't see it that way anymore. Um. There'll be a failure to excommunicate. And then that intro. So I think that's most of the lyrics. I'm, I'm just so spicy and fired up that I don't feel like getting into more of the <laughs> lyrics. Um, So let's do your deep dive. When we get to my covers, we're actually going to skip them this week. Because as I mentioned, the covers are actually very bad. We'll talk about that in a minute. <laughs> so we have song meanings. I think we did the song meanings pretty well. Someone's working outside. <laughs> Someone's doing construction <laughs> or something outside. Shush shape. You, you don't want to hear the song meetings. No, I do. I'm kidding. Oh,
0: uh, so Danny girl, Danny, who is this? Back in <laughs> 2002 uh, said, hey, guys, I think what he's saying is that it really sucks when people judge you without knowing you, but Jesus looks at your heart. So as long as there's a heaven, there'll be a failure to excommunicate, meaning no matter what other people say, if you're for Jesus, then no one can touch you or throw you out. Cause when we, cause we win in the end anyways, isn't God awesome? But
1: all he said was, as long as there's a heaven, there's a failure to excommunicate. So it's not necessarily to me that as long as you have faith in Christ, there's a failure to excommunicate. He said, as long as there's, heaven as long as heaven exists no one will be excommunicated
0: screamo 777 on july twelfth, two 2002 said this is a friggin awesome reliant k song whoa language i've been, I've been a fan of <laughs> you're one to talk i've been a fan of these guys for a long time now and i'm really and i'm glad they're getting some airplay now reliant k rocks live too <laughs> i guess this song is about how many is about how people can turn away from you and make you an outcast. But God will never do that to you. God keeps his promises, an outcast or no outcast. God's on your side if you're on his. It's a cool song, kid's heart. Weezer Girl underscore <laughs> 06 on June 3rd, 2004 said, This song means that if you are a loser and people make fun of you for what you believe in, that, does, that doesn't matter at all because God loves you all the way. People may try to take God away from you, but you will never be taken from God. Very powerful message. Preacher Man 837 on May 19th, 2006 said, this song is quite literal. It means that being a Christian, you are an outcast and the world judges you according to this. (laughs) Reminds me of a verse from, yeah,
1: this is basically just my my original interpretation of the song back then.
0: Uh, Second Corinthians, uh, second Corinthians 1417 for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. You will never be judged according to your social status, your looks, your intelligence or anything by my king. Jesus died for you. Do you live for Jesus? Do you yeah, so there's just more along the same lines. No one's over here going, this song's about a girl or anything. Oh, right. So <laughs> uh, next up, we have a Reddit thread. So at r slash K, Boy on Laptop, six years ago, wrote in this discussion... So re-listening to Failure to Excommunicate," I've always wondered what this part meant. It's discussing his priorities and how we're entrusting him with authority. His gavel's gone down before he looked in your heart. He finished the his if he finished this racism before he reached the start. Who is he? I remember reading a book a while back that it had to do with a well-publicized court case involving racism. Read a book it's also. Also, it's a stretch, but wondering with the timing if it's anti-Bush referring to Iraq. Thoughts? (laughs) There are seven comments.
1: But I don't understand. There was a book he read, or they read, about this song and what it's based on?
0: Uh, Silent Ransom replied six years ago. I would honestly be shocked if it was about Bush. Remember Reliant K is from Ohio, and during this time, their lyrics were extremely conservative religiously. I would be surprised if they had taken to attacking the President of the United States.
1: I wouldn't say their lyrics were extremely... I, I, well, there were I mean, there, there were a handful of songs that were extremely conservative, but it's not like all their songs were extremely conservative.
0: But still, I can't come up with a better idea. As a sub, we should tweet the hell out of Matt and Hoops <laughs> to get them to answer this ha-ha. Uh, Boy on Laptop, I guess in reply to, were extremely... conservative religiously said true but this limited political content in their songs does seem more liberal than conservative also just because they're religiously conservative doesn't mean they are politically conservative and then Silent Ransom responded to that true I would still be pretty surprised just because content like that could potentially alienate more conservative fans at the time which I agree with if you're going to be a Christian band you're not going to be like putting out anti-Bush stuff because a good chunk of your listener base is going to, parents are going to take the CDs off if they know. so Right.
1: Also like those lines that they're, what year was this post? Six years ago. Six years ago. I mean, six years ago, it's, it's in the context. Okay. So cause those lines between the idea that there's a line between religiously conservative and politically conservative, that line doesn't really exist anymore. Right? Like we think we all understand that line doesn't exist but in our society as we know it today. Um, And certainly in 2002, kind of as I mentioned because of 9-11, like those lines were blurred. And I mean, we weren't adults in the 80s. Like we kind of know now from context of history how conservative the world was in, you know, Reaganomics age and stuff. But I don't know. I could have blinders on, but in the year 2002, I don't feel like those lines were completely destroyed yet. I don't think the line between political and religious conservative were completely destroyed Mm -hmm. maybe in the South, maybe in certain like more religious sections of, of the country, of course, but like overall, again, I'm, I'm, I'm from Boston. So it's like more, uh, you know, especially the way I grew up in Boston, like a lot of the Protestant Christians were people who had been, catholic and stuff and it's a more catholic area so maybe what do i know but i just feel like you didn't go i didn't go to like christian festivals and find a lot of politics being discussed Mm -hmm. there
0: yeah i mean i still think that it's more of just like a like a respect kind of a thing like i don't think that i think that parents would be like oh it's weird that they're attacking the president regardless of political affiliation right and would not be okay with it like regardless of you know my parents politics my dad would always be like you just have to respect whatever president is in office sure you do yeah well (laughs) so anyways that was the thing that he would say growing up though right Right. so i'm saying even that older mentality right you know i just don't i don't think that you know they parents in general would be cool with attacking any president right say like is there um, anything else in that reddit Yeah. Dreidel uh, five years ago said it's about the Pope. The whole song is criticizing papal infallibility and his ability to excommunicate good people from the church for making mistakes.
1: I did kind of reference that earlier. And uh, I don't know if that is what the song is about, but that is like part of the history of what he's referencing. Like the fact that this is even an aspect of Christianity goes back to the catholic church
0: then we have some tumblr posts and i just thought that this was kind of interesting and 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 cool this picture
1: i found that i posted it
0: oh nice so (laughs) Uh, you already posted it before we
1: recorded i went through twitter and was just looking at anyone who kind of quoted or was talking about the song it's pretty easy to type in failure excommunicate and a lot of it is relying k references so someone had posted that on twitter and i retweeted it it's um it's like a long perspective what do you call that kind of perspective it's like <laughs> low <laughs> it's
0: it's a long shot it's a,
1: like a long shot so like the the the, the, t- the um brick ground goes off into the distance and there's a homeless person a houseless person an unhoused person sitting there holding an electric guitar uh, sitting by a tree and then along the ground which I think is, is digitally added are the words Jesus loved the outcasts he loved the ones the world just loved to hate Reliant K. Reliant oh,
0: okay. K. Uh, so then the next post down from that is J.F. Hobbit said, This song is my new religion. I just can't even describe the awesomeness. Context. I've been listening to Vitamin String Quartet obsessively as it ha- is the best <laughs> studying music I've found. And I've been studying a lot. Further context. Reliant K has been my favorite band for 13 years. And this is this was one of my original favorite songs when i found the vsq album of rk covers on spotify i did a happy dance This song definitely delivered on the promise of happiness t turquoise vibes said guys i just noticed something okay so you know the song failure to excommunicate by reliant k and you also know the song life after death and taxes failure 2 by reliant k well last night just as i was about to fall asleep i realized life after death and taxes is the sequel two failure to excommunicate <laughs> failure to failure part two wow i'm either really dumb or really smart listening to the endings of both songs
1: okay i mean yes <laughs> that is what it's reference to
0: then we have there's a, so there's there's a game i guess called Rocksmith where you play an actual guitar i found it looks this like. as well, yeah. yeah where it's the they, they Put it's like a guitar custom hero, song. but you play
1: a real guitar.
0: Yeah, failure to excommunicate custom song, and I thought that was cool. So oh, it's on Steam. That makes sense. Because yeah. Why would it
1: be on a on a console?
0: Yeah, so I thought that was really neat. Yeah, it just looks like Guitar Hero, but you play an actual guitar. Like, I guess there's a little, it looks like there's a little bar over the strings or something, so it knows what you're pressing down when, which is a great idea and something that I've always thought, like, that should totally be a thing to help you, you know, because Guitar Hero is,
1: like, so, you know. Or they should have at least made, like, an advanced Guitar Hero that had more buttons. Yeah,
0: yeah, for sure. So you could
1: maybe, it's, like, more, not perfectly, but more closely approximate, you know, finger positions of, of uh, chords and notes.
0: And that's pretty much all I have. There's uh, like some other forums out there that are like song meaning type stuff, but it's, it's kind of, gotcha. the,
1: you know, the same of what we've already seen. People who wrote like maybe essays about the song or reference the song. Yeah. In an essay about something. Gotcha. Well, this was, rec- this was performed. We're back to the show again, already cornerstone 2003. I feel like we keep picking songs from this set. Um, So this is uploaded by Stimpy789, I don't always reference that, although, you know, you google Cornerstone 03, Reliant K, you're gonna find it. So here is Reliant K playing the song, Failure to Excommunicate Part (laughs) 1. that's Dave singing. And Dave and Matt's voices, Teeson's voices complement each other so much. Mm-hmm. I swear because most of the time when it's Dave singing, th- that part of my brain that says, "Oh, wait, this isn't Teeson." doesn't trip, you know? Mm-hmm. When it's Hoops singing, Hoops has a has a quality also very similar to Teeson, but I can I'm still like, "Oh, this isn't Teeson." When Dave's singing, I swear I'm just like nothing n- 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 no nothing's <laughs> coming up in my brain that says something's <laughs> off here. And then when when Teeson gets up to the mic for the, it's disgusting, the, the priorities part, like, they just compliment each other so much. Mm-hmm. And they really should have had, like, Dave doing a few, maybe a few more leads in different songs, because he's just as good a singer as Teeson.
0: What's hilarious is that someone in the audience or in the crowd threw a, to- a toilet paper roll across <laughs> the, the crowd halfway through that.
1: And, it's not, and I know that as a drummer, like, he probably doesn't want to be singing a lot of songs live back then. Mm-hmm. But, you know, in terms of the live set and exhaustion and stuff, but just on the albums, at least, Dave should have sang more. And then t because their voices have such similar quality, t could sing them and no one would bat an eye at the live shows.
0: Hasn't he ever heard of Phil Collins?
1: There you go, exactly. But also, like, Phil Collins and Peter Gabriel also have very similar qualities mm-hmm. right I mean they were both singers of Genesis for a reason and they and like one it would be the background vocals for the other solo albums a couple of times because they have that similar kind of tone I feel like here Tyson and Dave are basically in this in the same way <laughs> yeah it's good this is the best performance this is one of the good performances of this song on youtube nice (laughs) certainly from the time with brian and the band there's one other video from the time of brian and dave when this was played and it's much more lacking performance but then here's one from 2012 so this is from this canton ohio show uh while there was work being done on collapsible lung the same show we come up to whenever we do a collapsible lung song that was being played a lot before the album came out because they premiered a bunch of collapsible lung songs at this same show but in this case here they're going to play failure and failure too like sort of back to back and dave is at the show even though it's ethan on drums And Dave comes up to the front of the stage with a microphone in hand and sings a song. like The more modern Relying mm-hmm. K guitar tone on this, yeah, for sure. Less attempt to sort of be pseudo hardcore mm-hmm. here and more just accepting like what a Relying K guitar yeah. sound sounds yeah, like. Yeah, absolutely. So I wish this is a song that they played more often in later, you know, modern times with uh, John and John in the band. But if that happened, it wasn't on YouTube, <laughs> okay, April. I know, you know what? I, I want to go back real quick and double check. I didn't see how they outro the song at Cornerstone. Because I know here, they just kind of, like, you know, fade out. They just kind of stop, and then mm-hmm. they transition into failure, too. Here, I'm going to go back to Cornerstone 2003. song feels extra extra long I mean it's a pretty long <laughs> song but I don't feel like it outweighs its welcome outwears its welcome on the record but feels super long at cornerstone 03
2: yeah.
1: I love that every you know, everyone with their arms up praise and worship yeah in the front.
2: Oh. Really Cornerstone
0: um. Oh, they just play the record in the background.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and they have the the recording there from the end with the radio whistle and everything. That's cool. Um, I was going to say, if that kid at the YMCA Skate Park could praise and worship to Softer to Me, certainly people at Cornerstone 2003 could praise and worship to different parts of this song. So, the covers are interesting and we're going to do them on patreon because uh we're a positive show and we don't like to (laughs) excommunicate anybody but we won't have much positive to say about these covers (laughs) there are a lot i i I think i said this 14 hours ago when we started this podcast there are a lot of situations of teen bands like that are are barely together as a band Mm -hmm trying to do this song and doing Amazing. a poor job of it my favorite one and you'll have to sign up at patreon.com <laughs> slash Sadie hawkins pod my favorite one is a situation which i don't think we've come up against but i am it's it's like one of my i don't think i i don't even think i've seen it a bunch in real life but you know it happens and i love it it's that someone agreed to let you know the teen band the teen rock band that's part of the community of this church play for sunday service like the <laughs> the wannabe rock punk hardcore rap, probably have some rap rock influence in there <laughs> all kinds of influences and so you have the gray hairs in the audience and they're just having to watch this like school of rock wannabe <laughs> hardcore band and amazing I'm like, yes fantastic and you'll hear all about that at patreon.com slash SadieHawkinsPod. So two things we'll end on. One is this was the first that I'd ever seen. A tribute to a different band set to a song by a different band. In Wait, this case, what? In this case, someone took Failure X Communicate by Relying K. And, okay, and set it to a tribute to their other favorite band, Tokyo Hotel. So, they just have, like, footage and pictures of the band Tokyo Hotel. Oh, okay. And they just cut together a fan music video about how much they love Tokyo Hotel. And they even kind of, like, have on-screen text to, like, if this is your first time exploring the existence of this band, they're letting you know who the singers are. At who the singer is and who the members are. But it's all set to the Reliant K song, Failure to Excommunicate. That's a choice. It's just, singer, Bill Kalut- Kalitz. Kal- I've never I've known the members' names of the band, members of uh, Tokyo Hotel. Tom Kal- Kalitz is the guitarist. Bassist, George Listing. I'm learning so much today. This is a
0: very pretty band. (laughs)
1: Yeah. (laughs) This is a very pretty band. Drummer, (laughs) Gastu Schaefer. So part of me wondered if, like... That's Tokyo Hotel. They're just, like, letting you know. Nice. So part of me wondered was, like, this is a situation... I don't know the music of Tokyo Hotel. I know I've heard a song or two. But was this a situation of, like, where they downloaded a song that was labeled as Tokyo Hotel and it was... This Relying K song? Uh, maybe. Maybe, but then... It's in the I, description. This, is, uh, this was K. uploaded in 2008. But then in the description it says, this video is about all the guys in Tokyo Hotel and this song is called Failure to Excommunicate and sung by Relying K. Oh, well,
0: there
1: you go. So you know that. Anyway, please leave a comment. But I guess they just wanted... And then just, there's no comments. <laughs> nice. Maybe
0: they're their uh, favorite... Bo- two favorite bands.
1: So everyone, go to YouTube... Type in Tokyo Hotel <laughs> fan video, Everyone failure to this. excommunicate, and say, hey, Ms. Kalutz. The YouTube neighbor's name is Miss, and it's the last name of the singer and guitarist, but with, like, extra letters miss, mi- mixed in. Say, you don't have to say their name. Just say, hey, leaving a comment like you asked. Everyone, go to Tokyo Hotel fan video, failure to excommunicate, and say, hey... Leaving a comment like you asked. Sorry, I'm so late.
0: You wonder why teachers didn't like you and pegged you as a bad kid. You're I want such this person instigator.
1: How's it instigating? They asked nicely for people to leave comments, and after 13 years, nobody has. That's not fair. I want to lift them up. I'm in the I'm I'm in the message of this song, and I'm saying, let's make sure this person doesn't. They didn't get the communication they asked for. They were excommunicated. People didn't show them the love that they asked for for comments. This video has got 800 and almost 40 views after 13 years. So people should have left comments, but they excommunicated and did not do that.
0: Danny, do you like this song more or less or the same as before?
1: Uh, I, I think I like it the same because like I've always identified, not always because I miss I interpreted it one way when I was younger, interpret interpreted it another way now, but this message speaks to me. I think this is like Relying K's, certainly from this period, where, as the song meetings person said, they had so many cons- philosophically conservative lyrics. This is, like, one of the most sound and strong, and speaks to me anyway, theological songs that they had from this album. Nice. And once I saw this Invader Zim tribute set to the song. Amazing. Right on. Because, if anything, I realized... I had the song wrong all these years. This video is uploaded by Steel O'Neill and the video is called Zim's Failure to Excommunicate. So I realized, oh my gosh, this song was about Invader Zim the whole time. Nice. And it's about how he was excommunicated from the planet to Earth. Gotcha. And he but he took it in stride. Sure. And so Jessica, how right, do you feel about this Didn't he song? like?
0: Isn't his point that he wants to take over the world or something, or mind control or something? Sure. I don't. I never we'll watched him. get more invader into that, but first,
1: tell me: Do you like this song more, the same, or less than before we covered it?
0: You know, I'd never really properly listened to it before, and so I think I like it a little more now because
1: I actually really listened to it. Good. <laughs> so before we go, Invader Zim <laughs> was the worst invader. On his planet. Okay. So his bosses send him to Earth because Earth is the least important planet. Oh, I thought he was a child. Planet. Yeah. Yeah, Jess, let me tell Oh, you. sorry. Oh, my gosh. So they send him to Earth because Earth is the least important planet that they have information about. They don't care about Earth. So they're like, send invaders Zim to Earth. Hey, invaders. Zim. That feels Zim. pretty sound, actually. Yeah, here's the mo-, and, and they lie to him and say, this is our most important mission because he's the worst. He gets to Earth. He disguises himself as a child. Goes to school, another kid there named Dib realizes he's an alien. He's the only one that knows he's an alien, Invader Zim. Now, Zim was excommunicated, but because Zim believes in our Lord Jesus Christ, (laughs) he did not let the excommunication of the tallest, his bosses, get him down. He knows he is saved through Christ's love. And if if anything, the story of Invader Zim is the story about someone coming to Earth and realizing the salvation of christ i'm pretty sure if you go watch the netflix sequel movie that's the point of the of the whole series go ask uh the i don't remember his first name jay vasquez i'm almost positive everybody tweet at jay vasquez and ask is invader zim saved
0: thanks for listening okay